Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode brought to you by the great people at GameSurplus.com, where you can find the current hits, the classics, and the hard-to-find titles. Let Carmen and Elaine find your games and receive free shipping for all contiguous U.S. shipping orders over $120. Remember, GameSurplus.com. Great people, great selection, and great prices. And in Canada, amazing stories in Saskatoon. If you're in the Saskatoon area, come by the store for Friday night board games. Play and receive 20% off your purchase of any board games in the store. Amazing Stories is the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Retailer in Canada and nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Hey there, this is episode four of Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And I'm Luke. And on today's episode, we're going to discuss... Ryan, you hit us first with what you're going to talk about. Uh, Crystal Clans. Cool. Luke, what you got? I'm going to be talking about Automobile. Oh, nice. And I'm going to follow suit with Dice Throne. What is a cardboard cohort? Well, cardboard cohorts are board gamers banded together who support and inspire one another and become colleagues and friends in the board gaming community. And with that being said, we would like to support the good, the bored, and the ugly. They have a podcast on iTunes, and they record weekly live stream YouTube content. So please check them out. Welcome back to Cardboard Conjecture. We are ready for our three in a row review. Who would like to start? Ooh, ooh, this is the first, yeah, this is the first three for. This is the first three for. Yes. Keep it clean. The old three. I don't want to have to go check off that explicit. <laughs> yeah. Keep it clean. Um, you, you know what? Um, what's the timing, Luke? Is this a window for you to uh, knock this one out? Yeah, I could probably. Let's, let's make it happen. All right. Well, Luke, the stage is yours. The stage, the microphone. Um, yeah. Yes, automobile. So, a few details about automobile. If have, have either of you played it? I should ask first off here. I have not. I have heard of it, and that's I, about it. I love the designer, and I have yet mm-hmm. to play automobile. That is good. Well, it is a 2009 um, production by Martin Wallace, the esteemed. I love Martin Wallace, by the way. He's he's a fantastic designer. Um, Games of note that I really appreciate of Wallace, Age of Steam, Brass, uh, A Few Acres of Snow, one of the most interesting deck builders that I've ever come across. All right, the uh, artists for the game, there's four listed, um, at least for the the Mayfair edition of the game, and one of them includes the, the, again, esteemed Clemens Franz, surprisingly, Mm. here. Uh, of Agricola, Lahav, and uh, probably about a hundred other uh, well-known <laughs> Euro titles. Um, the game itself was published by originally Tree Frog Games, which was Martin Wallace's old publishing house. Um, that was the 2009 edition, and uh, after that, it was picked up by sort of a Lookout Mayfair uh, thing here. And there was two editions uh, published specifically in the North American market by Mayfair in 2011. I've got one of them. Then there's an, a deluxe uh, edition as well, which I'm just familiar with, and I can talk about that when we look at some of the, the nuts and bolts there. Um, in terms of the overview of the game, basically we are, it is a business game about manufacturing cars. If you want to get excited, get excited right now, guys. <laughs> yeah. It is all about the money. Money, money, money. You are investing in infrastructure. You're building factories. You're marketeering. You're selling cars. And you are trying to figure out how to manage and mitigate your losses throughout this game. That's kind of three big components that are going on. <clears throat> this, actual- this doesn't sound like a Martin Wallace game at all. Oh no! And and wait, there's loans in the loans, man. There's loans. Oh, there's loans. Yay! (laughs) Yeah, we should do a whole segment on loans. But (laughs) so, um, actions in the game. I mean, the game itself. I'll I'll say this of it: it is success by a thousand cuts. (laughs) (laughs) That small decisions over time equal big shifts. There's actually only there's four 
uh, turns in the game, and there's three actions per turn, so there's only 12 possible actions that you're going to get to take in this game. And it makes each of those actions quite important. Um, the actual actions that you get to take, one is building factories, your infrastructure around the board, and it kind of acts a bit like a tech tree. If you'll ever look at this board, it's kind of got... <laughs> this this is a horrible comparison, but it's got like a monopoly looking <laughs> track <laughs> that runs around the board, which Don't is kind of like beep that out, man. <laughs> yeah, which is like uh, denoting uh, more technologically advanced factories. Um, another action you can do is to take R and D cubes. Uh, research and development is sort of like a, a second currency in this game that you need to do certain actions. Uh, you can sort of jump ahead on the tech in terms of your factories, and you can use them for executive actions to do advertising, marketing. Um, there is the sort of all-important production action that you're going to need to take to actually produce cars in said factories that you built. Um, there's a marketing uh, action that you can take where you're actually sort of enlisting or placing distributors on the board to help you sell cars. Um, there's, there's an action to take uh, closing factories, which is very interestingly an essential part of this game because it is it is all about managing loss when you close factories you are you're sort of mitigating the loss you're going to accrue um, and you're also being you're getting the capital back from those factories to reinvest uh, at a later time so that's kind of the overview of the actions like i said there's 12 total um, something that i love about each of these actions though i just as i mentioned them building factories building cars that sort of a thing is it's not a one and uh, it's, it's not a simple black and white action. When you take the action, every action is met with a decision space. So each action is packed with a bit of a breadth. I can build one or two factories in a space, or I can build four to seven vehicles, depending on, you know, like this. So every yeah. action you take, you are met with a, an immediate evaluation. And I find that really interesting. So it's not just that you have these five possible actions. It's that every time you take it, you are also evaluating how well, how much of that action do I want to take sort of a thing. Cool. Yeah, yeah that's the kind of overview. There's also um, characters that you get to take beginning of each turn with uh, defined turn order um, and also gives you a bit of a bonus or advantage for that turn. It actually reminds me a bit of the Age of Steam auction without the auction part. Um, okay. and kind of, you know, you sort of have the turn order for doing these particular things and whatnot. Um, how to win automobiles, just make money. <laughs> and uh, it's like a simple game in that sense that money is the, the victory points, it's the currency, it's the thing you need to produce cars to do everything, and you just need to make more of it. I'll tell you this, though. I failed so profoundly at this game. <laughs> it was, I think it was only two times that I played it. Like, I've, I've played it a dozen or so times now. And uh, t two games ago, I ended with less money than I started. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so painful. It was but, so painful. But that's a, that's a Martin Wallace success, though. That's a success, exactly. Yeah. It, was a it was a learning opportunity, so. <laughs> that's oh, yes, that's awesome. yes. Um, I mean, and, and, you know, to make money, you might have to employ the Martin Wallace loan, of course, yeah. and, uh, and you're going to have to deal with the loss. And uh, actually, for those of you who are also familiar with uh, London, uh, you, you know, those poverty cubes, yeah. uh, this is very reminiscent of that. You're going to be getting these little black cubes, and you're going to be paying for them every turn um, in dollars. So Now, do, uh, do those, as in London 2nd edition, do those cubes come back at the end, end of game scoring to haunt you? Um, well, basically, on each turn, you are in like you are given a fee per cube that you have, and it increases from ten to twenty to thirty to forty dollars oh, per cube. As and you said, the paper cuts <clears throat> totally, and these cubes don't go away unless you take actions for them to go away. So it's so yeah, like giving up your valuable actions. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, cool. And, and there's some character-related uh, ways to mitigate. Well, but yeah, that's kind of the dirty overview of this game i i think it's fantastic um nice. should, should i go on about some of the the uh my opinions outside in here well you go you go to whatever you want well yeah because the because the outside part the box part i can i can contribute to that one because i i have a familiarity with that at least <laughs> okay. okay well let's hit it um i mean i'm i'm talking about the mayfair edition it's the one i own i haven't played with or have seen in a physical copy the tree frog edition um 
to be to be honest, it's a bit bland. <laughs> Is that um, the one that's got that vintagey look and the kind of a the automobiles with with the with the curved kind of chrome esque? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it? the one. That's the one. Yeah. It's not overly colorful. It's kind of muted. Um, yeah, it, the, the box itself kind of bothers me. I think partly because it's just off shape of sort of your regular. Uh, rectangular euro box and its landscape so you know you're always I, it's just a little bit that's, different that way that's an interesting uh, interesting discussion we could have is just the whole uniformity of of these games like mm -hmm. give us four sizes because we're going to buy the shelves accordingly mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah cool so the so outside of that i mean that's pretty yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the art isn't anything to write home about. The graphic design, too, if you've looked at the Mayfair edition of the board, is pretty busy. Um, it's got tables and charts and, like, lots of little, like, just all that sort of stuff. It really plugs up the board. It's very uh, functional when you start playing the game. Mm -hmm. um, it, like, it's quite a usable board, but I, I can't help but think it would, could have been presented in a bit of a better way. It just, it seems very off-putting for new players. It's not really that complex of a game, but it presents itself as a very complex game at first glance, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, just, I just pulled, I just pulled a picture up of it right now, and uh, yeah, it kind of reminds me kind of like a, kind of like a Vital Lacerda kind yeah. of like, kind of board and everything. I'm thinking, I'm thinking like Vinos or... Or like kind of like Lisboa type of thing where everything's kind of all yeah jammed right there, but everything seems to be there. Oh yeah, yeah, it's super clear once you're going, but I think it can be intimidating. Like if you're a first time oh, player, you would go. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. But is is it one of these boards where the information that's on there is relevant? Where I mean, it's like um, turnover or graphs or. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the uh, the track along the outside, that sort of Monopoly esque looking thing, is important to um, again <laughs> to, to determine like the order of sales, right? So that's very clear. And I mean, everything's very quick and easy to parse the information when you're looking at it, you know. And there's there's a couple tables on there that aren't used to place anything on, but they they give the player very relevant and important pieces of information. Uh, that could have been provided on a player aid, but that also doesn't exist in this game, um, which is actually a bit of a disappointment as well. So cool. So what about components? I have a few tree frog games, and and I'm I like their components. They don't cheap out, but so but I, again, automobiles that could be a yeah. beast. Yeah, and again, the the tree frog I'm not familiar with. The the Mayfair is you know it's uh it's got basically chit like uh, components overall. Um, each of the distributors you can put out, the cars, the factories are all just kind of, you know, a nice, good, thick cardboard. Um, I find the art on it is all kind of muddy and uninteresting. It's, uh, okay. you know, I, it really isn't that clear or unique in terms of, you know, I, I would maybe perhaps want a little bit more graphic design uh, to make it pop, but it's, uh, it's, it's more functional than it is aesthetic. I was going to um, say it's necessity mm -hmm. over... Yeah. And, and, you know, to be fair, even the um, deluxe edition that Mayfair uh, produced has wooden components, but they, again, are, like, sort of horribly unoriginal to me. They're, they're sort of the same. They're, they're basically <laughs> mimicking the chits, but in wood format. And okay. so I, I find them, you know, I think they could have done yet better with the deluxe as well. So, uh, yeah, Maybe. you know what? This, this game doesn't exist uh, uh, as a thriving uh, piece in terms of the graphic design and components, but that's uh, again not not where the heart of it lies. So cool. Um, rule book is that thing a beast? Is it uh, smooth? Is it uh, it's poorly translated? Most, no, it's for the most part pretty clear. It's it's well laid out. I think learning the game from it actually is pretty smooth, and it transitions between. Um, rules and examples in important places where you might, you know, have some questions. Um, I was able to learn the game just just by reading through, and that was not a problem. Um, there's there's also a great player aid on the back of the rule book, cool. um, but I think that should have been supplied as an individual piece for each of the players. I, I find we're often handing the rule book around just just so people can read the, you know, that that back player aid. It's got details on each of the the character powers and and the and the five different actions. Right when you have a game where you've got a bank of actions to choose from. Um, mm. It's really hard for players getting into the game to remember. Oh, I have all these options, and this is the the details of each of those options, right? Yeah, it'll be nice to see the menu kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So okay, 
Um, and the game system style to it. Like, you know, this is this is, is where I think this is quite an interesting game. I've been trying to pin it, and it's like it's got this Wallace thing going on <laughs> that that borders the like it's a euro, but it's it's very economic. This one especially. Um, actually, as a, as an interesting side uh, side note here, this is supposedly Wallace's favorite game of his own design. Really. Yeah, which is quite interesting, I think. Um, BGG actually um, says that the mechanics within this game are commodity speculation and variable player powers. That's it. That seems really <laughs> <laughs> not fitting to what I think the game actually uh, actually offers players. I mean, yes, there's definitely a commodity speculation aspect to the game. Um, in fact, I think that actually is one of the off-putting elements that I've, I've heard from certain players. My, my groups have never minded. Um, at the start of each turn, um, players draw chits from a bag numbered from two to five. Okay, they're equal distribution, like let's say four or five chits of two, three, four, and five. And, and that chit is going to determine, um, you know, if you're in a four-player game, one quarter of the market demand for certain vehicles. Oh, cool. So you sort of, every turn out of the four turns have, depending on your player count, one-third, one-quarter, or one-fifth of the overall information of how many cars are going to be sold that turn. And I think that's a really cool design element because, to be honest, like um, manufacturing and marketing is not an exact science, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think this game really portrays that well. You got to, you know, I mean, to be fair to BGG, commodity speculation, you are speculating quite a bit. It isn't, though, that it's totally random. You know that yeah. the chip distribution is going to be two to five. You can kind of have a good solid guess. Um, and there are ways to manipulate it so that if you, you can play conservatively, for sure, you could play conservative, yeah. but you could also play a little bit, uh, yeah, a little bit forward and put other players in the position where they're going to get dinged if we all overcommit in our production and there's not that much demand, right? So you can sort of jostle. Here's, a, I, question. I, Here's a question I have for you, because Wallace, right, game style, where's the volatility <laughs> in this game? Hmm. Well... Because in every game I know of his, mm -hmm. there's something that is going to just slice your Achilles tendon. I mean, he, there's something that just goes right to the point with, uh, with, with how it can hurt you. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think for this game, it's really a game of positioning. Um, so that, that uh, track that goes around, let's use Monopoly again here, the Monopoly track that goes around is the order of sales that cars are going to uh, be, be sold during the market phase. So all of a sudden, everyone's revealing their chits, and we all realize there's demand for 20 vehicles, but we've got 26 vehicles. Ooh. You know? And okay. so, so basically what happens during this selling phase is that there's one car sold from each of those um, segments, and then it, it kind of keeps going in a circle until all the cars are sold. But what you can actually do is take what are called executive actions to add advertisements or discounts, incentives to essentially yeah. sell more cars during each pass of this sort of like a circular selling cycle. Hey, Ryan, here's a question. Mm -hmm. Isn't that reminiscent <clears throat> of Park Rate? I was just thinking of that right now, which mm -hmm. is as you were explaining that, uh, that, that the whole supply and demand uh, a feature and everything. Everybody takes their turn, and sometimes you get to sell. Sometimes three. you get to, you get to sell more goods than the mm. other than than the next player. Or... Ooh, yeah. I'm and, liking and this. It's at a cost, right? Like you got to either spend R and D or you got to grab the discount markers, which means that you're actually making less for your cars, but you might sell them all, and the other oh. person might not. It's beautiful. I'm it's, it. actually, it's a beautiful system. So, what, um, so what's the unique? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, I had no. I had nothing. I had. It just like I just it was reminiscent of Arkwright, so maybe maybe Arkwright drew some inspiration off of this. Yeah, I'm this not sure. System. So, the, like as far as uniqueness, I mean, I think you nailed just that whole market wrench. Absolutely, and I think what what again I find probably if I would call it the unique mechanic here is the decision space baked into each action. So. There, like I said at the beginning, there's nothing that's a black or white action. You are constantly evaluating the timing of when do I produce cars. In fact, that's when the whole turn order thing comes into place. Sometimes it's valuable on turn one to go first, but it might be more valuable to go last. And it kind of depends on what your strategy is turn to turn. 
and then what other players do. And, and then as you're seeing the game unfold turn to turn, you can also um, mitigate your risk or, or like jump into that risk because each action has like a bit of variety, right? So cool. it's, it's totally fascinating that way. I, I find it very, very entertaining. Yeah. Well, here's the big question. Its theme is automobiles. Does the theme and the mechanism connect? Does this Absolutely. whole thing work? Absolutely. I, I honestly, out of the Wallace games that I've played, I think this one has the tightest theme connection to the mechanics, for sure. Right on. Right yeah. on. Well, throw us, uh, throw down your conclusion, my good sir. All right. Well, um, I think the main point here is make money and figure <laughs> out um, how to manufacture, marketeer, and sell cars better than others. I, I think something that I uh, find that's quite a provocative question is, <clears throat> again, how much of each action do I do? And I think the term interaction applies here in a very interesting way because um, there's no interaction. It doesn't happen in the form of blocking spaces off or blocking actions. It happens in this sort of like meta level of you trying to read the other players because there's a speculation thing going on each turn for the market value. And I just find I feel like I'm interacting with all the players constantly with cool. every decision I'm making. But it's and it's in a different kind of way than a typical like, hey, I take this space so you cannot, or you have to pay more to take it. It's not that kind of thing. It's it's. It's a bit of a deeper level. Um, yeah, if I had to, if I had to make an image, uh, which uh, you know, this may be, this may be very, very trite here, but um, <laughs> it's kind of. I find this game plays out a little like a Jackie Chan uh, choreographed fight. You know, it's uh, it, 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 it clearly is choreographed, but Jackie Chan actually gets hurt in every one of those scenes. You know that. <laughs> oh man, I just love the what you put together in my head. That's yeah. awesome. I have to so, play this game. So I have to I have to say it feels smooth, it feels choreographed, like everything works really well, but you have to know you're going to get hurt. That's that's turn to turn. It's really good that way. So Oh, cool. Yeah, that's automobile. So okay, we don't I mean, Ryan, I don't think we ever came up with a rating scale. Should should we have a scale or should we just kind of give it I, a uh, I've yeah. never been a fan of rating scales. No, me neither. But uh, for me at least it's like a, a yes or a no. Right? So, is, is, is it going to stay on your shelf, Luke? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty committed to this game. I think it does something that feels different than many other games that I have. And for that, it, it definitely deserves a spot. And I, I find myself not necessarily being like, oh, yeah, 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 autom let's do automobile. But every time it comes out, everyone at the table loves it. I don't know. It's yeah. something that really, yeah, sticks well. Ryan, I think you just created our rating scale. Does it stay on the shelf? Well, that, 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 that's a testament to like us, like <laughs> rating. I, well, I can go on a whole like half hour rant about rating skills. So I'm not even going to interject because <laughs> they're so subjective and whatnot and everything. If, if you're going to enjoy the game, they, they listeners, listener, I don't know yeah. what, uh, should, should just know <laughs> the one <laughs> should just kind of like know an insight into like what, what we, what we enjoy. And so this is a game Luke enjoys. And so, uh, Everybody should know that this is the type of game that's going to stay on his shelf. Awesome. Okay, yep. I'm ready for some... Uh, I'm re it's interesting. You and I, Ryan, are going to be talking about head-to-head uh, -head stuff. It's this... Oh, yeah. Not, e not <laughs> even right. dodging to take that. This ga these games are about take that. So, yeah. You get okay, to go so, first. So you want me to go and leave into this? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll wrap this up because mine will be... <laughs> different <laughs> awesome well i'm going to be talking about the game that just came out this past year in 2018 called crystal clans uh it was published by plat hat games um designed by andrea mezzotero i think i got that but uh developed by colby docked and uh, j arthur ellis of plat hat games and my my best way to put crystal clans is kind of like their, their best simulation of uh of uh, a knife fight in a phone booth <laughs> so they, they I love that. creating a, a little a little space for you to take your actions on and there's not much there's not much space there's it's, it's kind of like small world but for two players oh cool um so there's there's, there's i as i was going through the rule book here just as the loop was um i realized that they don't actually have an overview which is i actually i thought it was really quite interesting they just kind of get right into this is the object of the game these are the components 
this is how you play the game. And I was like, oh, okay, they're they're just they're gonna cut right to the chase, which is not what I, not, not, which is not a bad thing. There's no flavor text. It's, it's straight to the me- mechanisms. Yeah. So what makes Crystal Clouds kind of unique is that it's a it's a it's a one v one type of game, but there are uh, in the base game here there are six clans that you could con- one one each player is gonna control one clan. And each clan plays the game completely differently. Um, just as they all can take, we all take the same type of actions, but the abilities of one clan completely are different than another clan. So cool. kind of like your little like mini war game where my, my advantage, I'm going to try to exploit my advantage to the best of my abilities. You're going to try to exploit your advantage to the best of your abilities and who's going to come out on top. That's really what this game kind of end, ends up being. And it's all done with cards, which is actually really cool, kind of cool. Uh, very reminiscent of uh, uh, one of Plat Hat's earlier designs, uh, Summoner Wars. I was just going to say, is this like of the magical realm? Is it like... Um, yeah, it's a very, very fantasy, f- very fantasy-based realm where the... And the clans have kind of like cutesy little names where like there's like the there's the stone clan, there's the, the meteor clan, there's the flower clan, water clan. Um, then there's the blood clan, which is like one of my favorites, <laughs> but yeah. And it's all, and it's all done with very cutesy art. Like the art is very deceptively cute in, in the, in this particular game. Like you could buy this game thinking that it's going to be like a family based game, just based off of the art mm-hmm. alone. And, uh, it is not, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's strictly just straight up. We're going to go ahead and punch each other in the face as best possible. And who's going to come out victorious. Cool. So, so I love the idea of the asymmetry. That's, yeah. That's starting to be a cool thing. And so the, the main goal of this game is it's going to be the first person who can collect four crystals. Uh, and there's, there's three zones on the board that represent crystal zones. And what you have to be able to do is as, as an action, if you control two of those zones, you can take an action to score a crystal and just claim. Uh, and there's these cards that represent the crystals. Cool. And it's the first person to claim four of those is is instantaneously the winner. Uh, other things that happen in this game, uh, there's really there's five main actions that you can take on your on your turn. One of the bi- one of the most important ones is actually being able to summon your creatures onto the board. Um, every creature, every card in your hand is a creature, and it has some sort of abilities. And you summon them into squads. A squad can be up to three creatures. You just stack the tar cards one on top of one another. Uh, what the cool thing is, though, it's the card that's on top, the, the leader of the squad. That's the person's ability that actually, uh, that, 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 that person's ability is the one that's active. Okay. That's buried is I not like active. And so, and so you put them all together, and then they'll have like this big fight strength. They'll have a big defense strength. And then what I can do then is I can take that and I can use uh, another action called activate. And activates the most complicated one because that's actually the heart and soul of this game is being able to take a squad and then activate it. And activating has three different steps to it. First of all, if I have if there's multiple guys in the squad, I can rearrange them. Okay. So I can activate it and I can just kind of rearrange the cards that are in that squad. And then I can move one space, one space only. And then if I end up running into another opponent's squad. Uh, we we can fight if we want to. You don't have to fight, but if I do move into an opponent's area, I have the option that I can battle them. Um, and then certain clans have abilities where it's it's best not to engage in battle. Okay. I'd rather employ some sort of other tactic. Um, just like I was playing the other day, I was playing this the this clan called the Shadow Clan. It's one of the expansion ones, and their thing is don't engage in direct combat. <laughs> they want to operate in the shadows. Yeah, of course. So, I, so their thing is just sneak in, don't initiate a battle, take a separate action to kind of weaken the foes and then get out of there. Okay. Which was actually really, really quite neat. It took me a while to actually figure out what they were actually supposed to do. The little backstab <laughs> and then retreat. Yeah. And so, cool. yeah. And then the whole battle system is very simple. Uh, it's uh, my strength versus your strength. How much? How many guys do I take out versus how many guys do you take out? Type of type of deal, and then we all select a card from our hand, and all the cards at the very bottom have some sort of a battle um, manipulator. 
Mm-hmm. So I'll play a card and then Norm will <clears> play a card. And then we just evaluate it at the bottom. Like my cards, there's three different levels. There's like there's tricky tactics, there's bold tactics, and then there's um uh, defensive tactics. And so if I play a bold tactic, then Norm gets to look at his card and said, "Okay, what does the bold tactic say that I get to do on my turn?" Oh, okay, cool. And if Norm if Norm selected tricky, well then I have to see what does tricky activate on my card. So there's a matrix that uh, combines. Yeah. Yeah, that reminds good. me of uh, Warhammer Disc Wars. I don't know if you've ever played that one. It's got that similar kind of. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard of that of that system. It's very rock paper scissors. Yeah, rock like, paper like, scissors. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, cool. where, where one's going to beat another, and then you just evaluate, and some guys are going to get wiped off the board. Some guys are going to stick around, and and then they'll allow you to take other actions like scoring crystals. Again, that that was an action I already uh, stated. Um, couple of other ones is that once you've played cards, you don't get to actually draw up to your cards. You actually have to take an action to oh, replenish wow. your hand. And then another one of the last ones, one of the more complicated ones, is that actually if I get a squad over to your home base, um, I can take an action to what's called invade. <laughs> Pretty much what that means is whatever the attacking strength I have, you have to discard that many cards off of your deck of cards. Oh, so it's happened a couple times where uh, I was playing with Jeff and he managed to get to my home base and evade and he attacked me for 16. I had the mull, I have the mill, 16 cards off the top of my deck. Oh, which is brutal because one of the mechanisms is that if at any time that a player runs out of cards, the opponent gets a crystal. Yikes. So if I run out of cards, Jeff got a crystal and everything. So that was one of his main um, strategies was trying to run your get, deck. get rid of my deck. Now, all of this, too, all costs something. And so there's an initiative track on the side of the board. And you can only take actions as long as you have enough initiative to take actions. And so what I do is when I I take an action, they say summoning, and say the summoning cost was five, I have to take this track and I have to move it five points closer to my opponent. Oh, wow. As soon as it crosses this imaginary line, um, there's this little neutral zone, as soon as it crosses into my opponent's territory, now it's their turn to take actions, and that's how many points they have to use on their turn. Okay, cool. So it's a very delicate balance of I'm gonna t- I want to take efficient actions on my turn, but I don't want to give my opponent enough initiative so that they can do things on their turn effectively. Yeah. So oftentimes yeah, it's cool. trying trying just to try trying to tiptoe just over the line just to give them just the bare minimum. Well, it forces you to have a more uh, refined strategy than to just go toe-to-toe and swing a club. Well, exactly. So that was a bulk of the game until somebody scores a crystal because scoring crystals will blow that initiative um, tracker way to the opponent's zone. And it happened with Jeff. Jeff scored. He's like, okay, the point of the game is score crystals. I scored a crystal, and boom, it came nine points into my direction. And now I have nine points that I get to use on my turn. Well, I'm like, whoa, I get to summon him, summon him. They get to move, move, battle. Blah, blah, and then I like annihilated his entire side of the board. <laughs> Just because I had nine initiative. To, to oh, like, and then yeah. I left him with only like a couple left. So it's a very delicate balance on how much initiative you leave, leave your opponent. That's one of the unique things I like, I like about this, about this game system. Because Summoner cool. Wars didn't have that. Cool. Uh, from, from what I remember. So. You want to uh, you want to start start on some opinions of this? Uh, sure. Um, the 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 box the box going on outside in, like I said, it's got that very family styled art art thing. Like you could accidentally pick this up off the shelf and say, "Hey, look, it's kind of got a, like King of Tokyo type of feel to it. It's going to be kind of like I a family that with game the, with the artwork, yeah." But it's definitely not a fam. I wouldn't just say it's a family weight game. Um, okay. there's, there's, there's a, there's a bunch of strategy and tactics that go into, and then the, the amount of text that you actually have to read on a card. So uh, are you saying the artwork is kind of not really telling the real story from it, your, it's, your, it's your... deceptively cute. That's like, that's my term that okay. I'm using. All right. Deceptively cute. Um, component wise. Well, it's a deck of, you get a whole bunch of deck <laughs> of cards. Um, every clan has their own deck of cards. The cards get got that nice little linen finish and everything. They're, they're not nice. going to wear out any day soon. You, nice. there's, no, there's no need to go out and like sleeve these cards or anything like that. They're, 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 they're a good quality. Rulebook <laughs> is really, really well laid out. Um, except, for the, 
overview. <laughs> lack of overview. <laughs> lack of story of what's going on in here. But I can get past that part because it's actually laid out very well. Um, yeah, it even goes with the examples like how to battle, example of what a turn looks like, which kind of leads into like it's a very accessible type of game. Like you could, I read this rule book once, and I fully understood what was going on. Yeah, is there like a lot of a lot of those side case rules are probably on the text of the cards or all that sort of stuff. That's right? where everything yeah. comes into is where that was a whole bunch of the things that we came across was that you had to read your cards very carefully because every clan plays completely different. Hmm. And so like I'm trying to analyze what my cards are doing, but if I'm teaching this to another another player, I should they should probably be playing with a faction that I've been familiar with at one point yeah. in time because the amount of text that they have to they have to interpret uh, could be overwhelming. To, to, to some uh i've kind of went over the game system a lot here and everything the unique mechanism like i said was that initiative track like i i can oh, only yeah. take actions and it, it ever so creeps closer to my opponent's side and as soon as it crosses this barrier um now my opponent gets to take actions i so could i couldn't imagine a game of two stingy players playing against each other well that's what that's what happened with jeff and i <laughs> and if jeff and if jeff's listening like this game is advertised to take about thirty to sixty minutes. Oh, to be able to... Our game took us two hours, <laughs> and I don't know if it was just the two clans that we picked were just two completely like defensive types of clans, and no one was willing to, but no one was willing to make a push. Oh, <laughs> two cheapskates playing. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was. I was like, it was, it was every turn. It was like this is just a zero sum, like. We're we're not getting we're not we are not progressing the game state at all ever. And so Ryan, so, is this a two player only? Is that right? Yeah. yeah, two player only. Okay, okay. Which, is, which makes it kind of um, interesting. Um, I don't know if they have plans in the future to expand it so that yeah. you can have like a like a t like a team based or a free for all format or because hmm. I know Summer Wars kind of did something very similar to that where you could do like team based or um, the three player one v one v one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Type deal. So, yeah, it sounds like you could end up with the the mix of clans, where, like you said, you know, you could fall into well, a yeah. Game yeah, no, right, yeah. Right now, the base game comes with uh, six clans, which is more than enough. That it, there's more than enough there to explore. Yeah, you feel? Do you feel like you want to try one like a whole bunch of times and figure it out? Well, that's what I kind of want to know now. Like I try that shadow clan, <clears> and now I want to say, okay, now I kind of want to feel. I want to play a shadow clan over and over again, see if I can fully understand it but that means i'm not playing like another clan like my other clan that i love is the blood clan which is kind of like the dead type thing they they, they can they can come back from your discard pile oh and, cool and everything like that so cool well but, what do you conclude good sir okay I so i'm so, 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 good sir in you guys tonight it's, it's, <laughs> it's very uh, I, think I, I think i watched some bbc before we started <laughs> it's very it's been very uh b- british canadian of you what the, <laughs> i shall say sorry <laughs> uh, bring us back <laughs> so my, my conclusions here would be um it's an interesting game uh it's, it's not really one of those games that i typically am, dra- am drawn to but there's definitely enough here that there's it's worth exploring which kind of that's what's going to stay on my shelf for just a little bit because I want to explore this a little bit more. It's supposed to play quickly. <laughs> supposed to play quickly. I'm just going to highlight that part, but uh, yeah, because it'd be yeah. nice to knock off like you know two or three games in a session, right? And not, my 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 experience before I played the game with Jeff, what what has been like that? Like there was a couple times where I I was playing this with a guy at work, and yeah, we managed to play a game in like 35 minutes, and it was. Full, we had the full experience of like there's lots of battles going on the board felt very tight and it's just cool. that just say so happened that we were just yep progressed the game state forward forward it is that um uh knife fight in a phone booth because the board is very very small there's only uh what is it six seven eight nine there's only 10 spots where you can actually have your your units oh wow i was gonna ask is is Oop. You you phased out there, Lou. Oh, sorry. Is there is there any modular um, options for the board? Like, is there terrain or anything like that? No, it's all just it's all set out. Um, you each have a home base. Three of the zones contain where contain crystals, 
and then everything else is just a space where your your uh, squads can move. So there's not much in in the variability of the board setup. Just um, how you how your um, factions inter, uh, interact with the board. Cool. As the as the Shadow yeah. Clan, Shadow Clan can like leap spots, like multiple spots, just jump all over the spots. Hmm. Whereas um, like the Stone Clan, they're more strong, just like hunkering down in one particular spot, and making that new spot their new home base type type deal. Okay. Yeah. So Crystal Clans. Um, I'm going to keep it for a while. It's uh, definitely drawn a lot of interest because I, I had played Summoner Wars quite a bit back in the day mm-hmm. and I lost out because it just got a bazillion expansions <laughs> and I could never mm-hmm. actually fully uh, de- develop, devote some of my time. And so this one's at a, at a good inter- entry point right now where there's not very many clans, so I could play it over and over again with the same clans to try to uh, exploit some strategies and develop uh, some new game sense. All right. So Crystal Clans, definitely worth a, a, a checkout if that kind of you're looking for that kind of a 1v1 two-player experience of a knife fight in a phone booth. <laughs> cool. That sounds great. Thanks for that, Ryan. Cool. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in third place here. Um uh, I this one was uh, Jeff when we last uh, Friday, when we were at uh, Amazing Stories Comics doing their Friday night board game night, uh, Jeff handed me this game. He says, "Hey, take this home, try it out, tell me what you think." And uh, he gave me Dice Throne, um, designed by Nate Chatelier and Manny Tremblay. I, before I continue, I just have to say, those sound like two forwards for the Montreal Canadiens. I just <laughs> want to get that. <laughs> Nate Chatelier and Manny Tremblay. Left and right wing. Um, uh, oh Manny gosh. Trombley did the art, and it's published by Roxley Games. Oh, Roxley. Roxley of Put the up. Santorini. And the new, and the new version of Brass. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. So uh, the overview, um, the, okay, compared to what was kind of going on right away with Martin Wallace, this is not as heavy, so let's just get this out of the gates right now. <laughs> but so, Dice Throne, here's the overview. For a thousand years, the Mad King has sat atop his high throne seeking a worthy challenger. Each year, he hosts a tournament of champions with the greatest prize a hero could ever want the throne. But over a thousand tournaments, the Mad King has never lost. Heroes come from all corners of the globe each with their own responses for seeking supreme power. Will you be the one bold enough to take the throne? Dice Throne, season one. The first thing I thought of when I read through that was if you have the, uh, if you're of the same age range as I am, Bruce Lee, enter the dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Or yeah, very, or very like blood sport, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. The moment the moment I saw that, I kind of thought, okay, I'm in. I don't even know what it is, but it, th- there was a sound in my head. I think, right? I saw this. I saw the throne. I saw this idea of tournament of champions, and I had this Bruce Lee sound in my head. Find <laughs> it up for a drop kick. I was I was in. I was loving it instantly. So, um, <laughs> you mean maybe what didn't. It wasn't that it had dice in the name in the actual name of the of the okay, game. Okay, there might have been <laughs> that straight to the uh, straight to the wallet word dice. Um, I I will confess. I I think I'm gonna have to go to meetings, right? <laughs> um, but how does this how does this nuts and bolts thing work? Um, man, when I tell you what the mechanism is, your the immediate reaction is what really? But then once I explain how this whole thing is put together, that's where I'm going to talk about the uniqueness of this game. But the mechanism, it's Yahtzee. You've got... <laughs> what? You've got, yeah, what? what? So you're like from that what intro... What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> yeah, what you talking about? Um, but from that intro, basically there's six characters. Um, there's And they're all the traditional kind of D&D-esque characters. You have the Barbarian which is, I mean, he's the tank, right? You have the moon elf, 
you have a pyromancer, which which I've played before, and it's basically you're the fireball maker and just make a kaboom as much as you can. Um, there's the monk, there's the paladin, there's the shadow thief. So you have all these archetypal characters in that whole you know fantasy genre, and um, each of these characters comes with a set of dice, five dice, your typical Yahtzee set setup, and um, because each character is so uniquely different, each time you roll a dice, and it's this, it's your typical um, distribution of dice where the barbarian's going to have, you know, heavy dominance in his fighting ability and his healing ability. The uh, the the shadow thief is going to have a lot of backstabbing. Is going to have a lot of stealing, right? So the dice, in regards to their distribution of of symbols will represent that for each character. Now, so and so each faction has their own unique dice? Absolutely. That's absolutely. cool. Absolutely. So cool. you've not not do you just have five cool dice? You have 25 unique like custom dice and I'm I'm frothing at the idea of just <laughs> dice, right? And they're and they're all different, right? Um so um yeah, it's not just the Yahtzee. It, I mean, the base game, as they said, for if you're playing with uh, with kids, and it's an eight and up thing, right? So if you're playing with just the kids, you play with just the dice. But here's the, the beauty of it, um, is that there's cards and there's combat points. And it's the combat points, which is the economy in this game, um, because that's what drives your ability to use these cards. And these cards can be anything from... Um, upgrades to your character, to um, some take that abilities, to um, some enhancing certain abilities. Um, and uh, also, too, the characters with their dice ability have these unique, um, um, what is the word they use? Uh, the token, the source tokens, where the the fighter will have a stun and a concussion if he hits you hard enough and so many swords you get this extra um uh, effect on on your turn and i think even that level of uh of i don't know blend to this whole this whole mechanism structure is very very interesting um how do you score win points basically reduce your opponent's life to zero before they do it to you that's pretty much what it is i mean just like your crystal clans except for the hit points it's you know go after those crystals before they do mm -hmm. um as let's go i mean let's get into this opinions part because that's where i mean i can start talking about how this game really shines um the outside of the box it is um, sort of a letterbox style image with the you know your the the the, the dude right the operating the throne I believe uh, what do they refer to him as here the uh, the mad king sitting in the center position and then you have all these fighters winged beside him and you can't help but think Bruce Lee enter the dragon <laughs> well, the, I was say, the, the 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 art on this one I think they got right because. Uh, you played one, this, yeah, yeah. Give I, me I, I saw, I saw, I saw the box of this, and this one does does look like it could be a family friendly game. Like, like that art that they got that they convey does does make it sound like and feel like. Um, and a and it's not game. it's not a manga style art, and it's not a cartoony style art either. It's got this kind of, I don't know, I want to say '90s comic book contrast. Yeah, it, lo it looks like you're playing a comic book. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, um, so the box to me just—it's one of those. As far as 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 my past uh, connection with D and D, I looked at that and boom, it was it it grabbed my attention. That's for sure because I was holding it and Jeff said, "Hey, take that home." Okay, so my instincts kind of came up right. Um, the components. I can't say custom dice, awesome. <laughs> I mean, put an exclamation point on that and boldface. Um, the the cardboard. You know, Roxley's Ro Roxley just. I think they're doing a great job with components. Let's be honest. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. When we when we go Top to the notch. discussion, I want to ask you guys about the uh, about the brass 
components because I think that oh my gosh yeah they're batting a thousand in my book so far so <laughs> the the player boards nice thick player boards the text is is great you can read it they they had um, they were smart enough to understand background foreground when it came to reading stuff at a distance so I really loved that uh, the cards were great um, they had nice big thick tokens I I hate flimsy flimsy drives me nuts because I'll find a way to find the error in the flimsy and go, oh, I peeled this thing apart. Oops, accident, right? There's no way that the little destructive boy in me can, can have at these components. Um, the rule book, the layout, um, the readability, the reference, it was, it, I think, Ryan, you, you nailed it. It reads like a comic book. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if you had a quick look at it, but... I, uh, I never got to see the rule book. The it it has from a from a graphic arts point of view, it has an excellent use of white space, because um, a lot of the times, games like this that that are trying to be very colorful, very dynamic, can get overboard in the rulebook and start to look like a Jackson Pollock painting, and your brain just goes overstimulated. I can't read anymore. Yeah, space is my ADD brain. No, I agree. I think. Uh... Space is an important element in rule books, right? Like, yeah, your mind needs to format. Absolutely, absolutely. Chunk, chunking information, right? So, cool. Okay, so this game system and style. I mean, it's Yahtzee, but it's Yahtzee with some D and D Red Bull and a little bit of nitrous oxide when you want to use it, and the odd knife in the back. And and holy moly, when um, um, uh, Connor at school connor and i were playing we played uh we, we had played the er, the lower character the easier characters as they say and they went okay we've got this figured out let's step into the into the what they classify as the expert level character so we played the paladin and the shadow thief and the paladin like a typical paladin had all these charms and blesses and was so hard easy to hit but so hard to lay hit points on because it was this blessing gets rid of, you know, a partial hit points, and this one gets rid of partial hit points. Um, and conversely, the Shadow Thief, was it was like all of a sudden, poof, turns into smoke and evades 15 points of damage. So I was impossible to hit. He was impossible to lay hit points on. And it was kind of like you described, Ryan, with Jeff, that it was just <laughs> stalemate toe-to-toe. It was basically who makes the first mistake. Um, yeah, the game... I mean, I'm so excited right now. I'm just fired up because it's it was one of those fun straight ahead toe to toe. Now here's the beauty of this game: it plays six players. It plays one versus one. It plays two versus two, three versus three, two versus two versus two, mm -hmm. or free for all. Hmm. My ADD brain went. Ah, I have to play them all. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, would, I would definitely be interested in like the different combinations and see how the different dynamics would would would, would shift if you have like a two v two v two type of type of scenario and everything. That yeah, it just sounds really cool when a when a game allows allows uh, for a format or multiple formats in that case. To me, that's such dynamic variability. And and consider this, guys. What if I had a copy of the game? And Ryan had a copy of the game, and then Ooh. it's okay. How about the paladins versus the thieves? Oh, right. To me, there's such exponential interest in regards to this. You could do like crazy campaigns. I mean, that could be mm -hmm. your next kind of expansion is take these characters and do you know a board journey campaign. Um, I do believe they have kickstarted and completed. Um, season two, which is another six characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I see the uh, the season <laughs> subtitle is going to come into play. Ooh, yeah. And of course, gotta gotta like that good Canadian product too, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I forgot to put the A in there. Um, yeah. Sorry about that. Oh yeah. Uh, the unique mech. I mean, that whole unique mechanism to me isn't the Yahtzee. It's the cards and the combat point economy. Um, the, the little taste that you had with the game, Ryan, did you notice the, the value of keeping up with your combat points in relation to uh, what you had in your hand? 
Yeah, it was, it was very interesting because you want to keep up with what's in your hand because you want you do want to upgrade your actions, and so that that's the way to con- spend your combat points is to upgrade your actions. So when I spend these three symbols or these four symbols, now I kind of do something a little bit better. Yeah, I, I, li- I liked I like that piece that uh, <clears throat> I didn't I didn't focus on mainly the other ones like like the instant actions or the. Uh, the, uh, I forget what the other ones are, but I, I was kind of like focusing on like, oh, I'm just going to upgrade my abilities so that I can just do them better. Yeah, and I mean, the um, what you're referring to is like the typical Yahtzee thing, like a small straight, because the dice, as well as having the symbols of of uh, the, the player's unique actions, they also have ones, twos, threes, four, five, six, so you can identify a chronology to the, to the dice. Um, so you have small straights, large straights, um, that coincide with the symbols. And uh, I think there's like two pairs, uh, full houses kind of scenarios with people's different dice configuration and their powers. So the, the way everything comes together, if it was just Yahtzee, I'd be bored. But the cards, the, the combat point economy, the, the, um, those source tokens that you can, because of your ability that you can leave, um, linger around or help, or help your own combat situation. I think this whole thing um, ties together with this whole battle royale, toe to toe, Bruce Lee, Enter the Dragon, D and D. I will edit that out. Yeah. No, so no, that con- was no, no, you won't. Perfect. <laughs> um, conclusion. I mean, the game's main point. It's it is what it is. It's a fight. It's a it's a you know, last last player standing kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, I kind of put this in the same realm as I think this is like King of Tokyo, but the next step. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like, like there's a few more layers than that. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like the next step. If you're if you're getting bored <coughs> of King of Tokyo, um, maybe yeah, you want to kind of yeah, you want to give this a try. Give this a give this a look. Put your chainmail on and try this one, right? <laughs> wah, wah. Um, uh, I mean. And again, coming from me being like old school um, AD&D second edition boy, um, what's the best part of D&D and thematic games? Rolling dice. Love the dice. Right? And just basically smashing, just smashing each other. You mean, when we played, uh, um, uh, there was Ryan, myself, and a student, and they basically both attacked me, and I was loving it. I had no flip the table, you know, impulse at all it was just like yeah punch me in the head <laughs> i i liked i liked it that i was the pyromancer so i had absolutely no defense i just dealt straight up damage there was no there was no strategy there was just like okay which one optimizes the most damage that i can deal to on this turn okay that's the one i'm going for yeah big fireball <laughs> oh yeah i remember that one that was a that was a woo kind of moment um oh. yeah i mean bottom line um it's a medium light game. Like you guys said, King of Tokyo with more meat on it, with more dimension to it. Um, not this, not to poo poo King of Tokyo. I mean, it's awesome. Oh, uh, that's uh, still such a good, good yeah. game. Yeah. And I mean, I just played it last week and it was, it was fun, but this has that, that I, I'm going to hit it again, that enter the dragon combat of champions it's, kind of, and it's, what it's not, I love not the even, most is, Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, it's not even more complex than King of Tokyo. That it just offers a few more things that you can do with your with your dice. That's really kind of all we're trying to get at here. What and um, I think what I what I like that I haven't played yet, but I'm anticipating, is that two versus two, three versus three, two versus two versus two, um, you know, battle royale. I that I I'm anticipating mm-hmm. a, a, those ones. Yeah, it offers a few different formats, like King of Tokyo's King of the Hill, you know, versus yep. this. So, yeah. Um, is this going to stay on my shelf? Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this up, gentlemen. So um, that would this was a this was a great uh, discussion. Thank you very much. Um, thanks for listening to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And I'm Luke. And we'll catch you all later. Take care.
We are Bridge City Board Gamers, and you can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. Our Facebook page is Saskatoon Tabletop Games Community, and on Board Game Geek Guild number 3039.